Welcome to Five O'Clock Tales. I'm Molly Wellman with my good friend Abby Cummins. This podcast is going to feature a splash of the past, present, and future of Cincinnati. And today we have Marty Brenneman. I'm so excited. So am I. <laughs> I'm so glad. Nice to be here. here with you and, and Abby. It's it's going to be a good session. I think so too. Yeah. Our very first guest. So we're honored. To I'm love. honored. Yes. I'm thrilled. And, it, and it's great because we all met together, Yeah, you know, for the first time. Sure so it just makes sense that you're our first guest. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how I got invited to be a guest judge with the two of you, but it's all right. It, it's, look, look where we are now. I know. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So today we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, some, a little bit of baseball, a little bit of liquor, but I kind of wanted to start off with a little bit of baseball and liquor. If that's okay with you, <laughs> I know you know so much about the Cincinnati Reds. But did you know for a while with the Cincinnati Reds, we we weren't allowed to drink beer or whiskey at the games. Yeah, as 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 incredible as it may sound, as we talk in two thousand and and twenty four, yeah, um, it's almost incomprehensible. Right, I that know. At one time, you were not allowed to do the other. It's crazy. I don't understand. So uh, back in like the 1870s, right. uh, there was uh, a lot of drinking that went on, you know, in the early, early days of baseball, right? And it wasn't just the, you know, the people who were coming to see the games, you know, <laughs> at, right. at the adult union, you know, union fields out there where now Union Terminal sits on. But uh, the players, they were wasted. They were always really drunk. Prior to the game? <laughs> I mean, pretty much oh, they during, drink the, during the game. Yeah. Oh during the games, yeah. It, it was, was just a big party yeah. initially. Yeah. It really was. It was not, you know, no no such thing as professional baseball. Mm -hmm. Actually, that came into existence in 1869 with the Red Stockings. But basically, it was a it was an opportunity to get together, watch a brand new game wow. way back. Yeah. You know, leading up to the, the, the professionalism coming in, and it was a party. Wow. And they drink and they play and the people would watch the games and they drink and they'd be impressed by the game and one thing led to another. By the time whatever number of innings they played, they guys were. were real happy. Oh yeah. Wow. I mean, I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> Some backyard baseball with a few yeah. cold beers, but to think they're playing out there exactly professionally. Oh wow. But so as you know, as baseball grew and as other cities, you know, had their teams and everything, it got to be pretty corrupt. And it, they were making a bad reputation for baseball, you know, the players especially. And that led to people not wanting to come, like, you know, more non-drunk people. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, this is boring now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're all drunk. People are throwing bottles at them. You know, it's crazy. So uh, there was this guy named William uh, Halbert. He was the owner of the Chicago White Sox or White Stockings, right? And he's like, I need to take control of this mess, you know? And so he gathered all the teams that he thought could actually, you know, not be as corrupt and cleaned up the sport of baseball. But he also kicked out drinking and playing on Sundays, right? you know? And that was crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, Sundays, especially here in Cincinnati, you know, we have such a working German, um, you know, uh, city, right? Yeah. And most of the time, Sunday was the only day they had off to go see a baseball game, right? I love Sundays. I think they do like a family day now. Yeah. The Sunday, watching Afternoon, baseball on a Sunday yeah. is fantastic. So, but they, there were blue laws and, you know, you just needed to go into church and pray, <laughs> I guess. And not be drunk, not playing, be baseball. drunk playing baseball. <laughs> I guess that's what they wanted. 
Um, so that lasted, that did not last long. And soon the owner of the Cincinnati Reds uh, was like, you know, screw this. Uh, we're not making any money, right? You know, I was just gonna say how much money could you imagine how much money they lost? They lost a ton of money, yeah. back then. So you know, they they were like, you know, screw you, William. <laughs> we're gonna start um, selling beer and whiskey, and we're still gonna start playing right. on Sundays. Right. And they like quadrupled their you know their money doing that, so that they could actually have a team. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for beer and whiskey. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> so yeah. the Reds actually are the ones that were like, nope, we're turning this around. We're starting this. There were other teams that did as well, but the Reds were like, we're not going along with your rules. And eventually William um, Halbert kicked them out of what was called the National League, and they started the American Association. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, you You're know. You're on top of your game, kid. Thanks, thanks, thanks. And it was it was so much more fun. You know, they uh, served whiskey, and 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 they had like different boxes and uh, you know different tiers in the ballpark. And I think by that time it was the was it the Legion? What was it the um, the ballpark before Crosley Field. The uh, Palace of the Fans. The Palace of the Fans, yes. which again still was where Union Terminal is today. Right, correct. And uh, they uh, they had where the um, right on the field they had where kind of like the cheap seats were and where everybody kind of got drunk and they had to put chicken wire up so that oh my gosh, so people they, wouldn't would, throw. they wouldn't fight with the players and the players couldn't fight with the, with the guests, you know, with the, with, you know, with the fans and, uh, and then not get bottles or, you thrown know, over, thrown yeah. over glasses or what have you steins, I guess. <laughs> um, so it was, it was probably much more fun back then, but I just love, I mean, I can't imagine going to the ball game and not being able to, you know, drink a beer or have a whiskey um, to get through nine innings, you know? Well, now yeah. there's so many. They have literally everything. You yeah, can they get do. wine, seltzer. I mean, yeah. anything I feel like is available at the ballpark. It just kind of goes hand in hand, you know? Well, you know, the way it is now, and you're right, Abby, it, 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 you know, things change. Um, and you evolve into certain situations. Like you were talking about, Molly, uh, they had no no games on Sunday. They had no alcohol, and then all of a sudden the Reds said, "This stops right now. We're going. Not only we're going to bring uh, beer back in or alcohol back in, we're also going to bring baseball on Sundays." Yep. And all the naysayers, the doomsayers, the ones that said this will never work, all of a sudden saw how much money the Reds were making. Exactly. They said, "You know, it's not a bad we're idea." We're going to hop right on this train. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then, we're going to bury our own personal feelings yeah, for the sake of the almighty dollar. It's so true. By the 1890s, you know, the um, a the AA kind of you know was dissolved, right? And the Reds went back to I think it was the National League again. Yes. Yes. And and so I'm not a can you tell I like I love the Reds, but I'm not you know I just know liquor, <laughs> <laughs> but I learned my history through liquor. So they went back, and by that time, um, uh, uh, that William guy was like, okay. I see you can make money and I see the, you know, the game making money and being a major part of American right. culture. So he's like, you can play on Sundays. We're going to serve beer and water or, or beer and, uh, and whiskey. And, you know, 
We're back to having we're, a party. We're back to having a party. <laughs> just and not on the field. I just love that Cincinnati fans were the ones like, we're way more fun than that. Yeah. You know, like, we're way well, more I fun. Mean, <laughs> with all due respect, Cincinnati's always been known as a big drinking town. This is very true. <laughs> Boy, do I know it. Anyway, I mean, too, like, I think there were there were quite a few owners that were in the liquor industry and in beer industry as well. Yeah, you had um, I think one of the first owners in the 1880s was uh, Justice uh, Thorn or Thorn, uh, and he had been a manager for one of the breweries here in Cincinnati. And then John Hawk, who you know Hawk right. beer. Yeah. Um, and then for a minute before Hawk, uh, I think it was his cousin. It was. Uh, I'm going to butcher his German name. Uh, George uh, Hanacourt was part of, of, he was one of the owners of the Reds. And then going into like the turn of the century, the Flashman brothers, Max and Julius Flashman, were part owners along with Boss Cox and August uh, um, Hermit, I think Herman. Uh, they all owned the Reds in the early 1900s. And Julius Flashman was also the, the mayor of that time. So they all owned the Reds. And it, that was a crazy time in the turn of the century for our Reds, you know? So, Marty, I bet you have so many stories just being with the Reds for so long. So, after a game, you guys are, you're working during the game, but after a game, do you guys all like get together, have a cold drink, have a cold beer? Not so much at home because guys go home. Right. But when, when we traveled, um, uh, and we, you know, we, we were fortunate to travel by charter, we were fortunate to stay in the better hotels. Yeah. Um, the bar, the hotel bar, more often than not, was a meeting place. Yeah. Now, not so much players, right? But coaches but, and but staff. Yeah, broadcasters and and uh, writers and and all types of people connected with baseball. There may be, you know, we we'd sit at a bar and uh, some guy would be sitting next to us and we'd start up a conversation and I'd say, "What do you do for a living?" I'm a salesman here and. What do you do? I'm a broadcaster with the Reds. And all of a sudden, the conversation changes because yeah. <laughs> they're always interested in what we did right. for a living. You know? right. And uh, so it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And what was interesting is in the old days, and I don't know whether the rule is in effect now, but when I mentioned a hotel bar, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, the rule was if you were a player um, and the manager's bar was a hotel bar, you didn't drink in there. Oh, really? You did not show up in there. And that was, it was, all the rules obviously were unwritten, but that was an unwritten rule in baseball. And it was, it it was born out of situations that got a little bit sensitive. A guy, a player would get drunk and, 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 you know, the manager's in there and he's not playing as much as he thinks he ought to play and one thing leads to another. So that rule went into, yeah. (laughs) So that rule went into effect a long, long time ago before I arrived here in 74 I think it's kind of lessened to some extent now if a player wants to come into a bar and have a beer after a game, and especially if there are managers that don't drink, and there are some that don't. Right. Then the bar, then it's all well and good. You can do whatever you want to. Of course. But the bar is absolutely a watering hole yeah. for baseball people in every city that you travel in. No question. I agree. I yeah. love that. Yeah. That's so cool. 74. That's awesome. Can I ask you, what got you into wanting to be a broadcaster for the Reds? Well, not so much for the Reds. It was just being a broadcaster, period. Right. My first choice for vocation was a professional actor. Really? Wow. You would have been so I great. Been I did, I did a lot of theater work. That's so cool. Uh, I did summer stock work in high school and college. And even before college, I wanted to 
break in. I wanted to go to New York and break into the professional theater, not go to college. I wanted to go right now. And my mom and dad damn near died. And, and they finally <laughs> set up a luncheon for me. And to this day, they're both gone now. But but to this day, I'm convinced it was a setup deal. And I was young and, <laughs> and, you know, I was impressed by a lot of stuff. And they put me in touch, allegedly, with a couple of young guys that were working off-Broadway. And they were starving to death. Oh, my and God. And at that point, I decided, no pun intended, I didn't have the stomach for that. <laughs> right. Parents invited starving actors to yeah. come and hang out with you for yeah, lunch. Not lunch. <laughs> and I bought it. You know, I believed right, it. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced they were two actors um, <laughs> that were playing roles that they had no idea what that was about. Oh and so when I, that happened, I this was my second choice. Um, I love that. But uh, I love the theater. Uh, I loved being on stage, uh, and and it was just a. Uh, a distant second after that, I, I don't know that you know. You no guarantees, just like there are no guarantees in my business or yours or anybody else's. Right. But this was my second choice. And I, and this is what I wanted to do. And fortunately, in '74, when Al Michaels left after three years and went to the San Francisco Giants, uh, I applied for the job and got it. So that's amazing. Just turned out. And and the biggest thing that I'm most proud of is that I was smart enough. Uh, and not egotistical enough to feel like, well, you know, if I work for the Yankees, I, then I've made it because I was offered a chance to go to New York and do the Yankees in the 80s and wow. a lot of other good jobs, the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Cubs. And every time I decided yes or no, I always said, yes, I want to stay here because awesome. I love Cincinnati so much. Thank goodness. Thank and goodness. I don't look back on it as ever. I came close to Boston, came that close to going to Red Sox. <laughs> We're glad. Yeah, that's a good town, too. Yeah. But I, you know, this is a great town and, and uh, I don't regret going some, not going somewhere else. Support comes from the YMCA focused on creating opportunities for individuals to achieve their goals, make friends, and belong to something bigger than themselves. Visit myy.org to learn more about programs and membership at the Y, that's M-Y-Y.org. Uh, we're very glad that you didn't go anywhere else either. Thank you. you were a big part of my growing up, so... If I, knew, if I heard your voice on the radio or, uh, you know, the TV, I knew, you know, that's just, it's just all part it of it. It felt me. like home. Well, yeah, I exactly. That. And I was yeah. at the game um, that they honored you when you retired. My last game? Your last game. And um, the entire crowd stood up and cheered. And I had like chills. Yeah. That, and I, I'm actually getting chills right now because <laughs> it just... You have been such a part of everyone's lives. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it was a um, special day that day. That was a very yeah, special really day was. to be in attendance as well. Yeah. Cool. So cool. <laughs> so you said you love theater. Do you go to theater here? We do. You do? We're patrons of the Broadway uh, series, okay. and, and we went the other night. Uh, not the other night. We went a few weeks ago to see Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh. I've heard great things about Unbelievable. That. And I, honest to goodness, <laughs> I saw the movie with Robin Williams, and he was wonderful. Oh, and yeah. my wife said, you know, we were supposed to go. It was on a Thursday night. I said, yeah, you know, okay. And I was stunned. Yeah. I was, I, and, and, I, and, and relating it to baseball, I've said a million times on the air over the years, you know, what's funny to me is that athletes think they're the greatest athletes in the world. They are the most talented people in the world. They have no idea. <laughs> I watched a guy play the lead role of Mrs. Doubtfire at the Aronoff Center, 
who one, at one time played the role on Broadway. He he was wow. on Broadway. Nice. The guy is incredible. He can sing. He can dance. He can act. He can do everything. And I said, these guys, you you baseball players have no idea what good <laughs> athletes are. These people are incredible. Right. And I'm, we're huge fans. That's we are awesome. Huge. And we've, I love that. We've been to we've been to broad we've been to Broadway shows in uh, in London. Yeah. We've been all over the place. Um, and can't get enough of the theater. I love that. I love that. I love the theater as well. Yeah, so. It's wonderful. And, we, and we're lucky to have the Aronoff Center We here. really are. Yeah. That's an absolute fact. Yeah. yeah, we've got a lot of great art organizations and shows and just, I feel like we really are an art town. We are. And you know what's great about Cincinnati Arts from, you know, the museums and the, the Broadway, which is, you know, Broadway and um, theater, which has always been a big part of Cincinnati, mm. even from the very beginnings of Cincinnati. Um, there are arts here anybody could could be a part of correct you know it's not like just for the hoardy torty you know yeah. it's just it's for everyone and everybody can be a part of it and touch it and be and go to the opera or go to the whatever so I think that's so special about Cincinnati well a it's a it's a, a town of incredible culture agreed I mean people that never I, I've often said that that people like me who came from somewhere else, have a better, and I'm not knocking people, I just think we have a better appreciation for what a truly great, well-rounded city this is mm -hmm. than I those agree. who were born and raised and have never had the experience of living somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, it's unreal. Um, uh, the most provincial city I've ever lived in. If you were born and raised on the west side of town, you will probably die within four west or five side, city side. blocks. <laughs> and I used to kid Pete Rose all the time. Oh, I yeah. said, you know what? You, you, west side of town, I said, I, let me tell you what I can do. I can blindfold you and put you in the trunk of my car uh -huh. and take you to Anderson Township and drop you off on the corner of Beachmont, eight mile road, and you would have no idea. Where you feel are. lost, yeah. I can, yeah. I feel that. I feel that because I'm a west sider myself. <laughs> and I've fallen, and I, you know, the two things I've I've fallen into the trap. I don't say trap because it's it's people know where you're from. Right. First question you ask somebody oh. when you meet somebody somewhere else in some <laughs> other city is, where did you go to high school? It is such a it Cincinnati thing. The, the only question. thing I haven't done, and I, I'd scratch my head. I'd say something, and somebody wouldn't understand what I'm saying. They say, "Please." Oh yeah, I say that. I say, all Please the time. what? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't know all this stuff. Now, thank now you. I'm please hip and to thank it. you. Uh, I say please still all the time. It's ingrained in my soul. It's so crazy. And and it is funny when I go out of town and I, you know, I say, you know, please. And they're like, please what? And I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm not in Cincinnati. What? Well, being in the service industry, Molly, too, I'm sure constantly you had to be like, please, you know, say it again. Yeah, all the time. You know, all the time. But then, you know, a lot of times that is a sure way to uh for somebody to know you're from the west side no as well. question yeah no question yeah we're, we're all price so western hills cheviot and then i grew up uh my family kept moving north so i grew up in Coleraine. so you're but borderline i was borderline, borderline for sure <laughs> but we always like my whole family they still live in the west side yeah. so and i'm another northern kentucky gal so we've, we've uh, got the tri-state here yeah so marty you've been in cincinnati you and your wife for so many years what truly drives your passion for cincinnati in this area well i, I suppose abby the biggest single thing is the people 
Yeah. Uh, you know, this is, a, as I said earlier, this is such a provincial city. Um, and in, in the job I had, and I've lived in the east end of town for all but three years that I've lived in Cincinnati in 50 years or whatever it is. Wow, yeah. But I, I've been tra- I've traveled all over the city. You know, I, I used to, I, when I told Pete what I told him about putting him in the trunk of my car, I said, <laughs> conversely, you can't put me in the trunk of your car and take me anywhere in Cincinnati where I won't know where no, I yeah. am. Uh, because I've been, right. and, and my partner of 31 years, God rest his soul, Joe Nux, always the same way. Mm-hmm. We know the city. And, and, and everywhere we go, people are just absolutely wonderful. Uh, you know, somebody said to me way back when I came, you're moving into the breadbasket of the United States. Uh, you have a cross-section of people from all over the place, but the one thing they have in common is how great they are and how uh, hospitable they are to people who come in from the outside. Now, I think there's a certain feeling among the people here that's just as prevalent today as it was when I came. If you come from the outside and you you have a, a, a public type of persona, you're involved in whatever it is that people know your name, they reserve the right to withhold judgment on you yeah. until the time comes when they know you're one of them. Yeah. And I'll never forget my first year in 74, um, the Reds played a Twinite doubleheader at Riverfront right after the three-day All-Star break. They played the Giants, and the first game began at 5 o'clock or 5.05. And they went into the ninth inning of game one. They were behind 13-9, to nine, and they scored five runs in the bottom of the ninth. Tony Perez had a two-run home run to center field to win the game 14-13, to 13, and I lost my mind on the air. <laughs> Just completely lost it. And the people call WLW Radio, which is our flagship station, all night long to hear my call of the game-winning home run. Wow. And I decided then I must be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and it's are. like, to, to, to put it succinctly, it's like, Molly, you're my sister, and I can call you every hyphenated name known to man when we fight. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you better not. Do <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. That's the exactly. way it is in this town. It really is. Yep. It, it really they is. They can get down on you and beat you up, but that guy from Louisville can't. Nope, not yeah. at all. And that's that's the thing not that I love about this city over and above everything else. Yeah, we have each other's backs. Yes, for that's sure. right. Exactly. Yes, we do. <laughs> all right. So you obviously have been involved in a lot of charitable work um, with sign memorabilia. Uh, signings, just going to these different dinners and galas and stuff. Talk about some of these organizations that um, you're passionate about. Well, the Dragonfly is near and dear to my heart. Um, I love Dragonfly. They're wonderful. I get emotional (laughs) when I talk about them. Mm -hmm. When I had my head shaved in 2010 and I lost a bet and they had 40,000 42,000 people at, at Great American Ballpark and I had my head shaved because I lost a bet. And um, they were celebrating my 70th birthday. And there were three little girls on the field that were bald-headed and had T-shirts on that says, I'm still me, which relates to the fact that if you're a young kid going to school and you have cancer and you go through chemotherapy and other kids see you and you have no hair Mm. and they think something's wrong with you, And so a buddy of mine, John Burns, uh, was at uh, 
Children's Hospital four days before the Friday night that I had my head shaved. He said, one little girl said to him, on Friday night, Marty Brennan will be just like us. Mm. He said, would you wear the T-shirt? And I said, yeah, I'll wear it. So I had a red jersey on. It had number 70 on the back. And and I had this shirt on underneath it. And when they finished shaving my head, I took off the red jersey and had their T-shirt on and went over and embraced all three of them and kissed each one of them on the top of the head. Oh, my gosh. And I think two of them are no longer with us. And it began um, an association which I think was made in heaven. I really do. Um, I, I have such a feeling for that, those people. And if there is a heaven after death, those people are going to be the pearly gates and they're going to have a band there and yeah. they're going to welcome them in for what they do for families that, of kids that have either leukemia or cancer. And I'm just a, a tremendous proponent of what they do and what they stand for. That is amazing, and I bet that impacted their lives so much on that day and something that they probably never forgot, but their families and their friends still have never forgotten. Um, yeah, that brings emotions right know, now, it's, just, it's, just hearing the story. It's I'm tough. Gonna, it's really yeah. tough. Um, I have a hard time coming to grips with, and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but I, 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 I have a hard time understanding if you believe in an afterlife and you believe in a greater God, how there can be children four, five, and six years old that have known nothing but hospitals and nothing but pain. Mm -hmm. And so many of those kids never find remission and they pass away at a young, I have a tough time dealing with that. Yeah, it's hard. And thankfully we have organizations like the Dragonfly yeah, Foundation and yeah. so many others that help support the family and the kids during the yeah, trying right. times. Exactly. Because these families also go through it. Um, it's terrible. It's awful that they have to go through. Well, it wrecks families. It wrecks yes, it really one, does. either the husband or the wife reach a point where they can't take it anymore yeah. and they walk away from it. And I, I'm not going to sit here and condemn them because I've never been through that. Right. I told somebody the other day, one of the most overused phrases when you're talking with somebody who's going through any type of, 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 of a terrible moment in their life and they explain it to you and you say, I know. Yeah. Oh, hell no, you don't you know. You don't know unless You've never you been through it before. No. I, I learned dealing with the dragonfly parents. I don't say that anymore oh. because I don't. I've been right. blessed with three healthy grown-up kids. Yeah. You know, so I've never or grandkids for that matter. I have seven grandkids. I know how fortunate I am now if for no other reason than having been associated with a dragonfly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I am glad that you do that. Thank you so much for You're that. You're welcome. That is a beautiful thing. And dragonfly what they do is so incredibly special it we is. love them yeah. and we were just them. able to celebrate with them on new year's eve and mm -hmm. raise a bunch of funds so um shout out to the dragonfly foundation if you aren't aware of this organization definitely go check them out because they've got a lot going on and what they're doing is so impactful to these families all right marty we have got a pick six rapid fire round for you pick six right so we're gonna ask you okay. some questions we need rapid answers and fun stories so if you were going to go somewhere in this city for a really good cheeseburger, where would be the first place you would go and visit? It could be anywhere, right? Anywhere in this tri-state. In the city, yeah. 
Really, a good hamburger? There's yeah, good hamburgers good here. Ask one of the major <laughs> proponents of hamburgers to begin with. Are you a Are you a cheeseburger hamburger fan? I am. Okay. Oh, seriously. I got. You know what? Uh, and I know Shake Shack's coming. <laughs> yes. But I'm a Culver's fan also. Okay. But I'm also a fan of what the hell was I going to tell you? That's what happened. When you're 81 years old, yeah, you can right. lose your train of thought from one second to the next. But oh, I know five guys. Yeah. Ooh. In fact, let me tell you a great story. Oh, so I have a million of them. Yes. Last summer, Amanda and I uh, in May went down. We took a riverboat cruise down the Danube, oh, and we fun. began in Prague. We spent two days there touring the city. Then they took us to Regensburg, Germany, to get on the riverboat. And we went down the Danube, and we stopped at all these places. We went four or five countries. We ended up in Budapest. But we stopped in Vienna. Now, I'm here to tell you, and I'm sure the people watching this podcast will go to raise hell and, 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 and say I'm, you know, I'm the Antichrist for making the statement I'm going to make. <laughs> the food in Europe, with the exception, and Amanda would jump my right now. <laughs> With the exception of Italy, where the food is the best. Yeah. It is at, I ain't been in a European country yet, and I've been in a lot of them, where the food is any good. I'm telling you, we ended up in Budapest and then flew home from there. We were in Germany, Austria, uh, Hungary, Czechoslovakia, all these countries, the food stunk. <laughs> it was terrible. We spent a day in Vienna, and I had... A gourmet meal yeah. in the middle of the day in Vienna at Five Guys. Oh, <laughs> I thought I died and gone to heaven. When I saw that sign, I said, here's where we're eating. Right yes. here. And, and it was good. It, it, sometimes there's they, there's a, some, they break down in communication food-wise. Yeah. Like a McDonald's might not be the same in, in, in Bratislava yeah. as it is in Cincinnati, Ohio. But the food <laughs> at Five Guys was spectacular. I know you guys have Love done a lot that. of traveling since retiring. Yeah, so I'm sure you have tons of stories like that. Love London, best city in the world, food stinks. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> All right, so if you could sit anywhere at GA, Great American Ballpark, and to watch a game, what section of the ballpark are you choosing to sit at? Well, I'd sit in my radio booth because that's the best seat in the house. I knew you were going <laughs> to no, say that. <laughs> I, uh, where would I sit? Um, I'd probably sit somewhere on the first base side okay. because when I was a kid growing up and going to minor league baseball games in Virginia – uh, I'd go with my uncle, and we'd go every night. Uh, that would that was the best seat for me. We'd right. be on the first base side. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I low. Like, and low down. Low down. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. have such a great – like, if you go to the ballpark at night, and it's just like the green grass and the blue sky, it's – there's nothing like it. There, uh, my my The most vivid recollection, people say, where would you see your first big league baseball game? And I saw it in Washington, D.C., between the Washington Senators – uh, back in 1953, and the New York Yankees. And w my dad took my brother and I up there from our home in Portsmouth, Virginia. And I, one of the most vivid memories in my life was walking up the walkway. And the first thing I saw, I come up from the first base side, and the first thing I see is the grass. And it, it was the uh, greenest grass I'd ever seen in my lifetime, ever. 
and it makes a major impression on you that never goes away. I've got chills just hearing that. It's amazing. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, nothing like a good night evening in the ballpark with a good hot dog or a juicy cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> and a beer or a whiskey. Beer or whiskey. All right. <laughs> Molly, let's, let's ask some uh, alcohol-related questions. Let's get Marty to okay. tell us some stories. So one of the things I always ask people when I meet them first, I'm like, okay, so where is your favorite bar? Where's the fa- your favorite place, the best experience you ever had having a, a drink or a cocktail anywhere in the world. All right. Well, let me tell you what happened to me in Ashland, Kentucky. <laughs> oh, and I love this that was a Kentucky. fulfillment of a dream for me. <laughs> okay. Because one, that's where my wife's, where Amanda's family's from. Um, and I'd always wanted, once I gained a certain level of notoriety, I wanted to be able to walk into a bar and stand there and have a drink and stand next to a guy upon which we strike up a conversation, and he has no idea who I am. None. And it happened in Ashland, Kentucky. One of the most memorable nights of my life. We we were there, a bunch of Amanda's friends. It was the middle of baseball season, and in my latter years, I took time off. So I was not working. They were playing the Atlanta Braves at at, uh, Great American Ballpark. And um, somebody uh, somebody called attention to a – I, I, I hate to use the term elderly because I'm I'm more elderly than most people, <laughs> but a, an older guy sitting, not a young person, in this yeah. bar that was filled with young people, and we were with a bunch of her friends from high school, and there was a guy standing up there at the bar, so I by himself, and I mean he was intent, he had tunnel vision, watching the game, so I walked up there and I stood next to him, and he looked at me, I looked at him, I nodded, he's how you doing? I knew immediately, <laughs> so I said, who's playing? He said, I the Reds are playing the Atlanta Braves. I said, who's winning? Oh, hell, friggin' Braves will win. I said, um, who's doing the game on television? He said, you mean the announcers? I said, yeah. He said, no, they ain't worth a damn, none of them. Oh. I said, really? I said, you probably, you probably do, do you watch, listen to radio? Yeah. Are they on the radio? He said, yeah. He said, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Brantley's a former pitcher and Marty Brenneman. I said, what do you think of him? He said, Brantley's all right. He said, Marty Brenneman knows everything about everything. I'm so damn tired of listening to him express an opinion about everything under the sun. I said, is he a decent announcer? He said, he's just okay. Oh, no. He said, but I'm more tired about his damn opinions on the world problems, which I'm not interested in when I'm watching a ball game. I was almost... Diab. So I turned around, walked back, and I said, I told the people at the table, I said, Ned, do uh, one guy was interested in I said, do not say a word. Do no. not go up there and tell him. Well, the guy did. Oh gosh. So he came back, so I walked back up here. He said, you know, I gotta tell you something. I said, What's that? He said, You really aren't that bad. <laughs> you, you didn't have I people said, in Cincinnati, you know, yeah. was, <laughs> I said, <laughs> you know what? He said, I am opinionated, though, aren't I? He said, yeah, you're pretty opinionated. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, what? This is on a Saturday night, and the club's playing tomorrow. I'm not home. They're playing on Monday, but I'm not back till Tuesday night. I said, what's your name? And he gave me his name, and I wrote it down on a napkin. I said, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you the most famous person in Ashland, Kentucky on Tuesday night. Oh, my goodness. And I went back, and I told the story. You know, he's okay, but damn, he's opinionated. (laughs) 
It, it, it was a fulfillment oh, of a dream for me. That. It really was. That, that is, is hilarious. Brilliant. I love that. Shout oh. out to Ashland, Kentucky. I, yeah, I wish I was there. I wish I could have seen that. I wish I would have been like. Yeah. It was at a bar called Fat Patties. Oh, Fat it's Patties. So Fat Patties in Ashland, Kentucky. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's Cute. a great story. Okay. What about, what's your favorite place to go and have a cocktail here in Cincinnati? Well, you have to understand, I'm a big fan of Jeff's. Same. <laughs> Same. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm good for the bar at, at, at the precinct. Yes. I'm good for his place, especially good for his place downtown. Oh, I yes. love his place. And, and uh, they make amazing cocktails. Well, nobody knows that. So you would give them a high mark? I give them one of the highest marks. Would you? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I love the cocktails at Ruby's. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm Jeff. Jeff is my oldest friend in this city. That is wow. so He was one cool. of the first people I met and neither one of us had a pot to pee in. <laughs> but God almighty, we had a good time. Look boy. at you guys now. <laughs> I know. He's, he's one of, time. he is one of my favorite people as well. And their family. I, I just love well, their Brittany family. Well, Brittany's she's a cut above boy. She and, really and the two is. boys are great. It's a good family. It's and I believe family. we're going to have Brittany on as a guest on the podcast. We well, are. You can't have a better one. I'll know. tell you that. She'll just, be great. She I really will. I just love her so much. But what they've done for the city as well, besides giving us an amazing place to go yes. and celebrate all our life's moments, uh, but just just what they do for the community is. And I tell you, it, the bar at um, at uh, uh, Montgomery Inn. Yes. yes. And oh. both locations, both locations. We and love one that I was, I was at the uh, uh, Dean in downtown, and yeah. Tommy out in uh, Montgomery. Yeah. Which both of them are dear friends of mine, I, and and I like their bars. It's very, it's understated, and it's yep. it's it's got some measure of closeness to it um so i'm 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 a big fan of 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 those bars in this town i agree with you there too my favorite thing to do if i've had a long day is go and get go to montgomery boathouse right and have get some saratoga chips and a martini and it is like the best experience yeah. they make my martinis that barbecue perfectly. sauce with that mm -hmm. yeah and then with that drink oh yep nothing like it <laughs> and another person who does dean he does so much for the community as well he's so good Great That's awesome. Guys. We could see, we could hang out and drink together then. Yes, That's we could. Cool. I, we need to do that. Get knee walking together. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, people will be like, you know what I just saw walking down the That's street? Right. <laughs> yeah. Did you get drunk with Molly? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it happens. Molly and Marty Brennan and go to a bar together. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, who is that third girl with them? Oh, <laughs> uh, you could hang, Abby. You can hang. You can hang. You can oh hang. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for being our very first guest on our podcast. We appreciate it more than you know. There couldn't be anyone more Cincinnatian, and it's great for um, our community. And just we are so thankful to have you. Well, I'm, uh, I'm equally thankful that you all thought enough of me to ask me to be with you. And uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yes. Had a great. That's what this is all about, to have laughs and, and also impart some wisdom on people, whether they like it or not. And that's what we do. And, that's and, exactly and they right. can have their opinions. You yes. Can, <laughs> if you ever get caught short, you can have me again. I'll yes. be back. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. And we got to say thank you to Richter and Phillips for being our location sponsor and having this fabulous room in their vault for us to shoot all of our podcasts in this season. So thank you so much, Richter and Phillips. Mm -hmm.